Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The holiday season is a time for surprises, a time for giving and receiving. But not all gifts are welcome. Bizarre Intruders. I said, well, what'd you do about it? Did you take it out, leave it, kill it, or what? Alien Trespassers. I started laughing, and I said, is this a joke? And the doctor said, this is no joke. And Unforeseen Attackers. We were just both shocked. Then I realized, oh my God. For the infected, the surprise is truly terrifying. Season's greetings from the monsters inside me. Dante Atullo and Gail Glenzer live in the Chicago suburb of Orland Park, Illinois. Dante and I first met at a nightclub about 10 years ago. I wanted to start a family, and he kind of wanted the same thing. I was looking for the right woman, and she was looking for the right guy, and we were just on track. After 10 years together, they have a family of four children. Abby, Anthony, Riley, and JR. I spend as much time as I can with the kids. Just sitting outside with them playing is enough for me. Dante is a good father. He always playing with them. He's a hands-on dad. <laughs> but supporting the family isn't easy. I actually have two jobs, construction in the day, and in the winter, I also do snow plowing. Dante is definitely a workaholic. He just loves to work. I mean, I don't think he's taken a day off in the 10 years I've known him, so he does what he's got to do to provide for all of us. At the beginning of January, after celebrating the holidays with his family, Dante returns to his construction job. I was working on a frame, holding an eight-pound nail gun top of the ladder. This was a tool that I had used a million times before. One hour into the workday, 
he inadvertently stands on a hose. As I was coming down the ladder, the air hose tightened behind the ladder and jerked my arm towards my head. And the tool whacked me in the head. It rang my buzzer, but I'm used to getting little nicks and scratches. The job is tough. You hurt yourself here and there, but you just keep on going and get the job done. We had just finished lunch and noticed that I was starting to get a headache. I don't know if it was because I was tilted upside down somewhat. The pressure it felt like my head wanted to explode, but just kept on doing what I needed to do. Dante pushes through the pain for the rest of the shift and heads home. When Dante walked in, he said he whacked himself in the head. And he said his head hurt. It looked like he had a, you know, just a, a tiny gash. It didn't look like anything serious. So I took a tissue to kind of pat it off, and I noticed that it was still slightly bleeding. I, I was a little concerned by that. I did put some peroxide on it, and uh, it didn't seem to, you know, bubble up or anything. It, it looked good, and he said, just leave it. Let it close up. We wrapped it up with some gauze, put a bandage on there, and I went upstairs and went to sleep. A few hours later, Dante wakes up for a shift for his second job, driving a snowplow for the city. But his head is still pounding. I knew it was going to be a good 10, 12-hour snow push, and I was just going to have to deal with this headache because I wanted the money. I told Dante I thought he should take the night off of work. He laughed at me. He said, no, we gotta, I have to go make the money because that's just who he is. As we were driving down the main street, about an hour into our shift, I started feeling dizzy. Felt like my head was like one of them little bobbleheads, bouncing back and forth. So I kind of straightened up, grabbed the steering wheel to collect myself, and I started seeing little spots in the, everywhere, little, little white circles and spots and stars. Now I'm starting to think that something's going on. At that point, I couldn't drive anymore, so I had to pull over so my coworker Bob could take over driving. Dante rides shotgun for the rest of the shift. After working all night, he finally returns home. When he walked in the door, he looked probably the worst I've ever seen him after coming home from work. He was tired, he was crabby, his head, he said his head still hurt him. When I took my hat off, I noticed that it was sticking to the bandage. So Gail came over and noticed there was some pus on the bandage. Seeing pus was a sign that there could be an infection. I was definitely growing more concerned with the thought of an infection. I said, are you sure? You don't want to go get this checked out. But I told her, nah, I really didn't want to waste time sitting in a waiting room. I just wanted to go to bed. After hearing about the accident from Gail, Dante's mother, Jerry, gives him a call. I said, you hit yourself in the head? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, what happened? He says, I'm sleeping. I said, I don't care if you're sleeping. Wake up. I need to talk to you. What'd you do? Mom, I just got home from plowing. I'll call you back in a little while. And he hung up on me. I decided to ignore her and just go to bed. But he is unable to do so. He sat down at the dining room table, and he explained to me that he couldn't fall asleep. He did not look good to me at all. He was pale, a little greenish in color, and what really, really scared me was when he said he was nauseous. I thought for sure he had a concussion. I could tell by the tone of Gail's voice that she was starting to get concerned. She thought that we should go to the clinic, and I thought going to the doctor at this point is probably a good idea. 
Gail takes Dante to the clinic. There, the doctor notices something odd. The doctor started to examine me, and the doctor was concerned because I had a bump, like a goose egg. The bump is unusually large for an injury of this kind. She was even concerned that I may have a skull fracture. So the doctor instructed me to go to the hospital to get a CAT scan of my head, but I just thought it was a waste of time. Gail is having none of it. Dante would have much rather have gone home and go to sleep, but I told him, I'm taking you to the hospital. I mean, he didn't have really a choice. I was driving, and that's where I was heading. I knew that if I didn't go get this CAT scan, I would never hear the end of it. So I agreed and went peacefully. Gail picks up the kids from school, leaving Dante at the hospital. There, doctors perform the CAT scan on Dante's head. 30 minutes later, the results are back. The radiologist came out and called the Tulo, come with me, so I got up and I followed him. I noticed the signs on the wall that we were heading towards the ER. I asked him, I said, what's going on? Because now I'm concerned. He said to me, he goes, dude, you're walking and talking, just come with me. Neurosurgeon Dr. Leslie Schaefer takes on the case. I was shocked when I first saw the scan. I knew that the potential for trouble for Dante was significant. The doctor walked in and had a picture of my CAT scan and showed it to me. The scan clearly showed that there was a nail in his brain. And I looked at it and I started laughing. And I said, is this a joke? And the doctor said, this is no joke. A three and a quarter inch nail is embedded in Dante's brain. The nail head acts as an anchor in the skull itself. As the skin surrounding the injury swells, it hides the nail from view. But inside Dante's head, the shaft of the nail has pierced the brain, causing the organ to bleed and swell, resulting in his unrelenting headaches, dizziness, and spotty vision. Dante's family rushed to his bedside. My heart stopped. I felt like, oh my God, my son has a nail in his brain. How is he going to survive this? How would anybody survive this? And as a mother, all I kept thinking is, oh my God, I'm going to lose my son. Christmas is the season of surprises. And Dante Atulo certainly gets more than he bargained for when he finds out there's a three and a quarter inch nail embedded in his brain. But it turns out he got lucky. This nail traversed right between the area that's responsible for movement and the area that's responsible for sensation. Had the nail passed slightly to the left or right, Dante would have been permanently disabled. But he isn't out of the woods yet. The real risk to Dante was in removing the nail. Any manipulation of the nail where it sways forward and back there was a chance that a hemorrhage would develop and he could sustain paralysis or even death from the hemorrhage. He only had a 5% chance of making it. That was what scared me most. He looked at me and he said, Mom, make sure my kids are okay. I was numb. I was numb. I, I just couldn't believe we were at this point and this is what was happening. Dr. Leslie Schaefer takes Dante into the OR and begins the procedure. One wrong move at that time could have left him paralyzed. 
In the waiting room, time comes to a standstill. It felt like a year, and I did a lot of staring out the window and a lot of praying. I was more scared for my kids. Well, something happens to him and I now and I have to take care of him and the kids. How was I going to be able to do that? Two hours later, Dr. Schaefer comes out of the OR. Surgeon walked right to me, and um, even this minute, he said, uh, he's out of surgery, he's alert, he's talking, he's just fine. And I gave him a big hug, and I said, thank you. The nail was removed without incident, and it floated out of the skull, almost as though it was a miracle. A few hours later, Dante sees Gail in the ICU. She asked me how I was doing and said I felt fine. Woohoo! I'm here still. I did, you know, pretty much run up to him and give him a hug and a kiss, and the nurse kind of yelled at me a little bit. But all Dante can think about is his work. I looked out the window and noticed it was snowing, and I was just watching the money fall from the sky, and here I am, stuck in the hospital, and I can't do nothing about it. I'm like... Are you kidding me? I knew from that point he was okay. Two days after surgery, doctors release Dante from the hospital. And shortly after, he returns to his work as a contractor. But why did Dante never feel the nail in his brain? Although the skull itself can sense pain, the brain lacks pain receptors. So it's not uncommon for victims of serious traumatic brain injuries to just feel a minor blow to the head when actually they've sustained a life-threatening injury. Today, Dante lives a normal life. At the moment, I have no lasting effects from surgery. Every day I wake up feeling lucky. It makes you, you know, kind of look at life a little bit differently. You, you should live for every day. I could have lost my son, and he's still here. So every day that he's here is a blessing. The holiday season is full of surprises. Most are gratefully received. But not the threat lurking inside one unsuspecting little boy. Paul could lose a leg. I was to blame. Ken and Rachel Franklin live in Orange County, California. We met in college. It was a Halloween party. I was dressed as a hockey player with my teeth blacked out, and she was a tooth fairy. We're kind of opposites. He is very driven and go, 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 and I like to go slowly. She's the more intellectual one. I think we're a good match. They have two children, four-year-old Luke and seven-year-old Paul. Luke, he loves playing on his iPad. And Paul always wants to be in the water. He's just an adventurous little boy. Paul just finds a way to puncture himself constantly, it seems like. It's, it's really quite amazing. The family is enjoying a camping trip along the central California coast. It's a bit of a rocky beach, and Paul and I took a little exploratory walk. He was not really paying attention to where he was going. There's a rock at least 18 inches tall sticking out. He actually tripped over it and really scraped his knee. 
blood was trickling down his leg. No one likes to see their child bleeding, but it was just not out of the ordinary at all. So Ken takes Paul over to Rachel. His knee was bleeding quite a bit, so I grabbed the first aid kit and I wiped it off with an antiseptic wipe and then put a bandage over it. Paul was in pain, and I think the blood probably freaked him out a little bit. But I wasn't too concerned because he is an active boy, and little scrapes and bumps and bruises happen all the time. For a week, Rachel and Ken treat the wound on Paul's knee. One day, we were changing the bandage, and it just didn't seem to be healing. It didn't turn into a scab, just kept seeping and seeping. It was still pink and kind of raw. It was not getting any smaller. I said, well, maybe it just needs to air dry so it could scab over. I was just leaving it alone, keeping it clean and dry. A couple days later, Ken puts Paul back on his feet. I took Paul ice skating at the local ice rink, but he fell within the first few minutes of being on the ice on the same spot where he had the wound. Ken takes Paul to the locker room to get a better look. He was crying. The blood completely engulfed his Band-Aid. I definitely felt guilty. Sorry, buddy. And I thought maybe I shouldn't have taken him skating at all. It was just bleeding so much, we just, we had to stop and go home and take care of it. At home, Ken dresses the reopened wound. We went straight to the bathroom, it was bleeding, the bandage just fall off and they get soaked with blood. I was looking through the cabinet trying to find something and I noticed that we did have some liquid bandage. Liquid bandage is a topical skin adhesive that prevents bleeding and seals up a wound. I made sure it looked very, very clean, and then applied the liquid bandage over top of it. Paul was definitely very uncomfortable and put up a little bit of a fight, but it really seemed like it was working. It was an extra layer of skin. It was probably the answer to help this wound heal. The next morning, Ken heads to work early, and Rachel goes to wake up Paul. I went into Paul's bedroom, and he was complaining about his knee. When I looked at it, it had swollen to the size of a large orange. It was pretty frightening to see that. Rachel encourages Paul to get up. Paul couldn't really put a lot of weight on his knee. He was limping. He was in discomfort, for sure. That was definitely cause for alarm. It's the holidays, which for many means overeating. But which of these ubiquitous festive fineries are poisonous? A, pinecone, B, mistletoe, or C, fruitcake? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. 
Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's the holidays, which for many means overeating. But of these festive fineries, B, mistletoe, is poisonous. Mistletoe is especially hazardous to pets. If ingested, it can lead to abnormal heart rate, seizures, and in some cases, even death. Seven-year-old Paul Franklin has a swelling the size of an orange on his knee. His mother, Rachel, rushes him to urgent care. We're sitting there in the doctor's office. The doctor came in and I explained what had happened and how Paul's knee was red and swollen. But the doctor got very agitated about the fact that there was liquid bandage on it. I didn't know that Ken had put that on his knee. The doctor said that when you have an open wound, you have to let it have air. The minute that you cut off the oxygen supply, if there's any kind of bacteria in there, you're just leaving it to fester. He said, well, we need to get that off immediately. So he sent Paul to the nurse to take off the liquid bandage. I was really blaming Ken. The knee never looked that bad, and it was never infected. I did not deserve the Dad of the Year award that day. Once the liquid bandage is removed, the doctor examines the wound. He took a look at the knee. He touched it at that point, just to feel how swollen it was. And the knee was very hot to the touch. He said this could potentially be MRSA. MRSA stands for Methylacillin-Resistant Staphylococcus aureus. It is caused by the staph bacteria, and as the name suggests, it's resistant to many antibiotics. 
The doctor was concerned that you're dealing with something that's very, very difficult to treat. I was getting pretty worked up at that point. I obviously made a mistake putting on the liquid bandage. It was pretty scary. The doctor prescribes a combination of antibiotics for MRSA. And for six days, Paul takes the medication. Then, Rachel takes the boy back in for a checkup. By now, it's been almost two weeks since Paul injured his knee. The pediatrician took a look at it and said the wound was healing. And basically, at this point, it was very small and looked like it was filled with pus. Pus is a sticky fluid that results from the accumulation of white blood cells. It typically indicates the body is battling an infection. The doctor said, just leave it alone since we are dealing with a staph infection. Don't drain it. Let the body get rid of the infection on its own. I was so relieved that his knee was responding to the antibiotics. Rachel takes Paul home. But the next day, she notices something troubling. I came home from work and Paul was complaining about his knee again. I was kneeling down and looking at his wound and it does not look good at all. I saw that the skin had broken. The wound is, is completely black. There was something weird going on with this black stuff under his skin. It was green with pus. About the size of, of a dime around the wound. And I was just thinking, oh no, it must be gangrene. Gangrene occurs when blood stops flowing to body tissue. In severe cases, the only way to remove the gangrenous tissue is through amputation. Paul could lose a leg. It was very scary to have that be a possibility for my, my son. I knew I was going to take him to the emergency room, but I just couldn't stop looking at the wound. I decided I need to get this pus out of the way. I don't care if the doctor said, leave the wound alone, don't drain it. I'm going to the emergency room anyway, so I'm just going to squeeze all the pus out of it. I said, Paul, just hold still and let me see what is going on here. But he was squirming. He didn't want me to touch it. But Rachel proceeds. I just took my two fingers and pushed together and out came some pus and also came out this large pretty big black object out of his knee. We were just both shocked. Then I realized, oh my God. Surprises come in all shapes and sizes. But when Rachel Franklin tries to squeeze the pus out of her son Paul's infected knee, an unwelcome gift pops out. We were just both shocked. I thought it was a, a, a rock or something, but whatever it was, it just came right out in one piece. 
and this object has a peculiar characteristic. I'm peering at this object, and it just has a strange look about it. And then I realize it's not a rock, it has whorls on it. And I turn it over, and I think I might have even just laughed out loud. I said, Paul, this is a snail. It's a freaking snail. <laughs> the snail that came out of Paul's knee is known as Litterina scutulata. Inside the tissue above Paul's knee, the snail has been growing. Its presence, detected by the body's immune system, has caused the inflammation, buildup of pus, and black-looking tissue. It was just too strange to be true. <laughs> and Paul, like typical boy style, like he just thinks it's cool. <laughs> Litterina scutulata is a sea snail that can survive in a wide variety of temperatures and salt levels and can even live out of water for several weeks by retreating inside its shell. It lives in the harshest of intertidal zones and can survive for weeks in a wide variety of temperatures and salt levels. The subcutaneous tissue of the human body mirrors the harsh conditions where sea snails normally survive. But Paul has his own assessment. It's crazy. When I had talked to Rachel, she was like, you won't believe what happened today. And I just cut her off right there and I said, wait a second, did a, did a snail come out of Paul's knee? And she said, yes, how did you know that? I said, well, Paul told me, but I didn't believe him. I didn't know what he was talking about. <laughs> it just seems like a very unlikely, unbelievable scenario. Paul affectionately named the snail Turbo. <laughs> but how did the snail get inside Paul's body? The Litterina scutulata snail is commonly found along the Pacific coast of North America. After they hatch, the emerging sea snails consume the linings of their own eggs. When they mature, the snails migrate out of the water and onto rocks alongside the ocean shore. The likely scenario is that a snail got into his wound when he scratched it on the rock. It was amazing. Paul was back to his normal self within minutes of the snail coming out. It healed up so nicely. But unfortunately, the snail did not last very long. We still have the shell, and it's going to be a, a, probably the highlight of his baby book, I would say, when he's older. <laughs> Many organisms attack the human body through open wounds. The World Health Organization recommends washing wounds thoroughly with soap and sterile water, applying an antiseptic, and dressing the wound with a clean piece of gauze daily. The holidays are a popular time to shop, celebrate, and eat. But for one man, an everyday food becomes a living nightmare. I didn't know whether he was convulsing or having a seizure or what was happening. I was having a lot of trouble breathing. I knew something was wrong. Terrifying. That's the only way to describe it. 
76-year-old Ron Svadin is enjoying his golden years with his wife, Nancy. Having been diagnosed with emphysema one year ago, Ron is required to be on oxygen 24 hours a day. But the former school teacher does his best to remain active. I couldn't do as much as I wanted to, but when I had the chance to do something, I was able to do it. So we were able to, you know, go visit the son and daughter without any problems. We enjoyed going out to dinner once in a while, going to the movies once in a while. We've always had a lot of fun, a lot of good times. But the couple's good times are about to come to an end. One night, I made his favorite scallops, and he loves scallops. And we sat down and... I don't know, for some reason, I just wasn't hungry. And he kept pushing the scallops around his plate. It was weird. It was just so uncharacteristic of Ron Svedeen not to want his dinner. Really didn't think about it that much. I just figured for some reason wasn't hungry that day. Over the next two weeks, Ron's appetite continues to decline steadily. Then one day, he's seized by a new sensation. I was sitting on the couch... I was on my computer, and I started to cough, and it was really a bad cough, and I said, holy mackerel, you know, this, I've never done this before. But then it continued like that, and I had trouble getting my breath at times. His cough got worse and worse, and the duration of it was unbelievable, and that was very alarming. For the next few weeks, Ron's nagging cough doesn't let up. The coughing attacks became pretty scary. He would sort of get very stiff, and his head would go back, and he would get a little bit shaky. It was sort of slowly getting worse and worse and worse. I would end up coughing 15, 16, 17 times a day. And you'd just will him to stop. And your heart would be breaking because you know he couldn't stop. For Nancy, Ron's failing health spells out a frightening reality. We thought this was the progression of emphysema. And of course I was worried. And of course the kids were worried. And our friends were worried. I was concerned that things weren't going to turn around. And before they know it, Ron's condition takes a nosedive. Ron's sister and husband were coming over and bringing lobster rolls and going to show us their slides of their trip to Scotland. And so in they came, and Ron wasn't able to even be awake. He just lay on the couch. Then Ron's condition spirals out of control. Ron had a coughing fit not to be believed. I didn't know whether he was convulsing or having a seizure or what was happening. I knew something was wrong. I was having a lot of trouble breathing. Terrifying. That's the only way to describe it. I just knew that I immediately had to call 911. Within minutes, the EMTs arrive, and Ron is loaded into an ambulance. His blood pressure and his oxygen saturation level was so unbelievably low. If not treated immediately, low levels of blood pressure and oxygen saturation can lead to major organ failure and even death. Here we got a situation where my blood pressure is virtually non-existent. I didn't know what was going to happen. It was very serious, and it was very scary. Ham is one of the most popular dishes for the holiday dinner. 
But which of these three parasites is found in pork products? A. Leishmaniasis B. Acanthamoeba keratitis C. Tania sullium Pork products could contain C. Tania sullium, better known as the pork tapeworm. For nearly a month, Ron Svadin's been plagued by a loss of appetite and violent coughing attacks. Now, he's barely able to breathe, and EMTs are rushing him to the emergency room. The ER doctor, when I got first wheeled in, took a listen to my lungs and told me I had pneumonia. Pneumonia is an infection of the lung, resulting in the buildup of fluid in the air sacs. Though treatable in elderly people and patients with lung disease, pneumonia can be fatal. Well, it wasn't a pleasant thing to hear. I'm scared. If you weren't in your right mind, you wouldn't be scared. Ron is admitted to the hospital and put on IV antibiotics to fight the lung infection. The next morning, pulmonologist Dr. Scott Slater sends Ron in for a chest X-ray. The first time I looked at Ron's chest X-ray, I noticed that a portion of his lung was collapsed. My first thought was that something was blocking the airway. Dr. Slater performs a bronchoscopy. A scope fitted with a camera is passed into Ron's lung. I could see at the top of the left airway there was a mass. It clearly looked abnormal. So I did my best to perform a biopsy from that site. Ron's biopsy is sent to the lab for analysis. In the meantime, Dr. Slater must break the news to the Svedines. My first thought was that he most likely had lung cancer. I think you just become numb. I think you just say, I can't believe it. And I told the kids, they've discovered a mass in dad's lungs. It was very, very hard to make those phone calls. How much time would I have? And what would I do with that time? How would I prepare for the end? I think I sat and cried a little. Wondering about the family and everything. After an excruciating four-day wait, the results of Ron's biopsy are in. The results were normal. Normal tissue. There were some inflammatory cells suggesting a possible infection, but there were no cancer cells. I would say it's a bittersweet type of reaction. Is there something else that can be as devastating as cancer? I don't know. But Dr. Slater wants to know what the mysterious mass in Ron's lung is. So he takes a second sample. The result of the second bronchoscopy was exactly the result of the first, which was it was normal tissue. That was really frustrating, and it, it seemed pretty weird. Why couldn't they identify this? As the mystery surrounding the mass in Ron's lung deepens, one thing remains clear. He wasn't doing much better. He was coughing and coughing and coughing. He was one sick man. I didn't feel like we were making any progress. He had spent a week and a half in the hospital receiving treatment for a pneumonia, and I had just subjected the patient to two procedures without a diagnosis. My next step was to get a second opinion. 
Ron is taken into the operating room for a third bronchoscopy. This time, Ron is put under general anesthesia. This allows the surgeon to conduct a more thorough examination of the mass. I think we all thought, oh please, hopefully this is going to reveal to us the identity and give us the answer that we've been waiting for for so long. We were ready for the worst, I think, by this time. Hours later, Dr. Slater gets a baffling status report from the surgeon. I got a phone call at about 2 in the afternoon from the surgeon. He asked, do you have any dirt? I said, excuse me? He said, you're going to need some dirt for this thing that I removed from your patient's lung. For nearly two weeks, Ron Svedeen has been hospitalized with pneumonia and a collapsed lung, both the result of a mysterious mass. Two biopsies of the mass have come back inconclusive. Now, a third biopsy has finally revealed its identity. The doctor came in and looked at me and said it was a pea. A what? I said, what? Excuse me? He said it was a pea, that it split and was growing. It was about a quarter of an inch. I said, you gotta be me. <laughs> this evil, horrible mass in his lung was nothing but a sprouting pea. I couldn't believe it. I said, well, what'd you do about it? Did you take it out, leave it, kill it, or what? The surgeon tells the Svedeens that the pea and surrounding mass were removed during the procedure, leaving Ron plant-free. After I heard this, this marvelous weight lifted off, and there was just such relief and joy among all of us. Who would dream up something like this? But one question remains. How in the world did a pea get into his lung? When humans swallow, a flap of skin called the epiglottis covers the trachea, preventing food from entering the windpipe. But every once in a while, this doesn't happen. Some food gets inhaled and can get lodged in a lung. Recognizing the pea as a foreign body, Ron's immune system goes on the attack. As inflammatory cells form a mass around the pea, the airway becomes blocked, causing the lung to collapse and fill with fluid. Just amazing, just amazing. All of this to do was caused by one little pea that got lodged in my lung. And it split and had sprouted. Doctors speculate that the pea Ron inhaled was raw. Once it was inside his lung, the pea seed split and began to germinate. With his airway free and clear, Ron makes a quick recovery. When Ron left the hospital, his appetite had returned. He was coughing much, much less frequently, and he was conversing. And that was wonderful. Today, their ordeal is over. Ron and Nancy are able to enjoy life and look back and laugh at the whole experience. This whole adventure just proves beyond a doubt that life has a sense of humor. After all is said and done with the pea, I still eat peas, but I don't chew them very well. Yum, yum. This holiday season, 
as you unwrap your presents, spare a thought for the unfortunate souls with Monsters Inside Me. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.